Hello, you're listening to Marijuana Activists and Pioneers. This is the first episode, and tonight we have with us Buddy Doozy. I am your host, Jason Brodsky, and this man who is from the San Fernando Valley is here to share with you about his journey and adventure with the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative and his life as a marijuana activist and pioneer. Hello, buddy. How you doing? Good, 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 good. So, basically, tell me some, something about uh, yourself. You're uh, a marijuana. You've been you, you've been supporting marijuana for how many years? Uh, most of my life, really. Uh, okay. I first smoked when I was eleven, and that was 1966. And but I've been aware of it for a number of years before that. Being, I was a bookworm when I was a little kid. Oh yeah. So you know, I read a lot about hemp, and I read a lot about this drug, new drug called marijuana, and I was able to connect the dots that this hemp plant called cannabis was the same thing as this marijuana plant called cannabis, mm-hmm. and hemp had this huge history, and marijuana was this evil drug, and my curiosity is like, what the hell's going on? That, here? That's how it looked back uh, yeah, in the sixties. Yeah, and then. Well, it, nobody connected the dots back then. You know, hemp was hemp. Hemp was in your history books. Marijuana was in your drug pamphlets, you know, beware pamphlets, you know, reaper madness literature, stuff like that. Yeah. And so that's that's what got my curiosity. In. And, I, and I realized that the government was kind of suppressing the history of hemp. And I was watching them do it as, as a reader. I was watching them do things like, like Hansel and Gretel. You know, like they leave I, like breadcrumbs. Well, well, yeah. The first time I read it, they were eating porridge made from hemp. And then later, two years later, I read it again, and they're just eating porridge. They left out the hemp, and I noticed that, like a whole, and you know, that's just one example. Oh wow! Probably about thirty or forty examples of like they removed tobacco out of the movies, like they removed exactly, hemp out of the exactly because it's like yeah, they don't want to send the wrong message, and that's exactly what they were doing. We're for out there, we're for out there, my eighth dealer. <laughs> we're for out there. So so that had my curiosity and you know, and, and that's probably what what seeded my activism. Okay. Yeah, and so then uh You knew what a lid was. Can you describe what a lid is? Yeah, a lid is three or four fingers in a Plastic baggie. You have three or four fingers. You got a four-finger lid or a three-finger lid. That's how you measure them. They were roughly about an ounce, but nobody weighed them out. Yeah. You know, you, you did it by fingers. So if you got a four-finger lid, you got a good deal. You got a three-finger lid. Was it and manicured? It was always 10 bucks. Not, it was, was it manicured? It, was all, it all came from Mexico. Oh, okay. Crushed together in these bricks. So you, you, you'd buy a brick, you'd buy like a kilo or something, and you'd have to bust it and fluff it back out. <laughs> full of seeds and full of stems and nasty, nasty, nasty stuff. I mean, it was great back then, but by today's standards, you wouldn't want to smoke it. Right, well, your, your throat got used to the... Well, it was all that there was. Yeah, know? right. It's like, it was before, you know, Americans were growing pot you know, on any type of scale. And so, yeah, it all came from Mexico. Wow. Did, had you, um, 
gone to Mexico in the seventies to and found the marijuana there also? No, I pretty much just bought it off the streets. Okay. That works. Like everybody else, yeah. Yeah, Mexico, there's a lot of other things to find there also. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, yeah, personal well, use. Back things. in the 60s, Mexico was a great place. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, you can find anything, <laughs> do anything. It was, it was pretty crazy. I used to go there when I was a kid with my dad all the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so so tell me, you you work with uh, this group called the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative. Uh, t- yeah. Tell me about this group, CCHI. Well, it started out in the early 70s, uh, Captain Ed Adair, he uh, ran a head shop, the world's oldest head shop, by the way, in Van Nuys, and never seen it, called Heads and Highs back then, it's called Captain Ed's right now. I live right around the corner from there. Okay, so you know Captain Ed's. Yeah. Okay, well, Captain I mean, I've been in there like, it's a handful of times. Yeah. But. Well, Captain Ed was the, Captain Ed's back then was, you know, that was, the hippie thing was all going real big and everything. And Captain Ed was kind of like a miniature version of Haight Ashbury. All right. It was like the Southern California's headquarters for hippies. You know, all the hippies coming into town would stop in at Heads and Highs. So and, it was a lot bigger on the inside back then. Uh, what do you mean? I mean, well, it didn't seem like there was a lounge in there when I got Oh, yeah, there was a blacklight room. Uh, oh. That had a, had a big waterbed on it. And, and yeah, it was, it, was a, it, was, well, it was just... It wasn't really like a sit-down lounge, but everybody lounged around, standing, <laughs> smoking right. weed in the blacklight room, and yeah, it was kind of like that. And uh, and so my sister got a job there, um, and she, you know that's how I met Captain Ed. And Captain Ed was an activist; he was like the first activist. Oh, okay. Yeah. For with, uh, Captain for, Ed for for decriminalizing cannabis. Yeah. Okay. For mostly in California or more uh, federal or well, well, yeah, California. Like, like I said, he uh, he organized the first ballot initiative to legalize marijuana. Okay. With, with you know, I don't like to use that word marijuana, but cannabis. Cannabis. This. <clears throat> but uh, he uh, organized the first initiative, and to me that was just like so bizarre, you know, that that we could do that. You know, so I wanted to participate. Mm-hmm. So I would come. I would go there after school. I went to school at Van Nuys High School, right down the street, and uh, <clears throat> you know, do little odd jobs like sorting ballot, you know, petitions and things like that. Whatever he'd have me do, and uh, we made it on the ballot, and we got thirty-three percent of the vote, which to me was amazing. What, meant, what year was that exactly? It was in nineteen seventy-two. Seventy-two, thirty-three yeah. percent of the vote. Wow, thirty-three percent, oh. and to me. I was like, you know, that means one out of three Californians think that this drug that everybody calls this evil drug should be legalized. That's amazing. That that inspired me and gave me hope that we could do yeah. this, you know. And that's uh, <laughs> 33% of the voting Californians. <clears throat> yeah. There's a lot of people that just don't vote, that just, just don't, don't care vote. about the system, right. yeah, that so, maybe support marijuana. So it was amazing. But, you know, I, mean, I mean, you know, in, in the news, it was like soundly defeated, you know, but... To me, I didn't look at it that way. I looked at it. One out of three people voted yes, and that was a yeah. <laughs> right, right. And those are true numbers. Those were bot numbers. That was yeah. actually a real that was, petition. Yeah, actually, you can go look, look in the in the records. You'll see that that was yeah. the vote. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, the Prop yeah. sixty four numbers is quite interesting. Looking at when those came in, just 
right immediately just the evenness of the numbers that they said of how many voted or how many did this and yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with the. Uh, all the number taking these days without people watching the numbers being taken, you know, watching the number watchers. And so the interesting thing about that was, uh, was yeah, like I said, the, the fact that, that we could do it. Uh, but I noticed that the government took took notice of what happened, too. They, they kind of looked at it like I did. Oh, my God, one out of three people mm -hmm. think marijuana it should be legal. Yeah. We need to do something. Yeah. To stop that. So what they did is they started relaxing the marijuana laws. That was their approach. Their approach was to relax marijuana laws to get people to not care so much about it being legal. And that's exactly okay. what happened. Okay. You know, because they, you know, they, they made it a misdemeanor. And then, uh, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, it's not that bad anymore. It's a misdemeanor. So, mm -hmm. It kind of, the interest kind of waned. Uh, 76, another friend of mine, another friend of Captain Ed's, uh, he put together an initiative, the Bart Gilbert Initiative. It never made it on the ballot. So, um, but then in 1980, well, in the, in the late 70s, like 79, uh, Jack Hare came along. And he started working with Captain Ed on another petition. And that's... okay. That was the birth of CCHI. Back then it was CMI, California Marijuana Initiative. And uh, so we had CMI 80. And that was a su su successful signature gathering. We got twice as many signatures as we needed. Mm -hmm. And when we turned them in, the, the people in charge of validating the, the signatures, like each county has a you know, they have their election boards and they, they have their people that validate the signatures, make sure they're registered voters and all this. They disqualified half of the signatures. Oh, wow. And got it to where we just missed by that much. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. They disqualified enough signatures. In what counties? To not get it on the ballot. In, in whatever counties, you know. I don't, <coughs> I don't, you know, probably all the counties. Definitely the oh, redneck counties, sucks. you know, but... Probably yeah. all the counties, you know, because right. they were freaking out. They didn't want to get this on the ballot because they were freaking out, thinking, oh, my God, it might pass this time, you know? Right, right. And so, so it didn't make it on the ballot. We actually sued and won the lawsuit that uh, changed the way they're able to disqualify signatures. But even though we won the lawsuit, the signatures had already been destroyed, so the judge couldn't order it to be on the ballot, so... Basically, winning the lawsuit didn't mean nothing, except now they have to. Back then, if you wrote J. Jones, you know, J. Period Jones, and on your on your registration, voter registration, obviously it's going to say James Jones or something, they would disqualify it because it doesn't say James Jones. Or if you said oh, Jim right. Jones, they would disqualify it. You know? Oh, okay. You know, so, you know, they were disqualifying. They were using any excuse that they could. To you know, scribble too much, so they couldn't. They think it might be a Smith, but the M kind of looks like it might be a W, so they disqualify. You know, like that. You know, maybe it's Swift. You know, yeah. So all you really, and so they they can't do that no more. That that's what we won in 1980, and then once again they relaxed the marijuana laws. They made them, and now it's going to be an infraction. 
So, you know, they did the same well, thing. They took the steam out of the of the idea of legalization. And, and this whole time you've been watching people you know get arrested and busted for marijuana. Oh, yeah, yeah. Only it was getting better because they were going to prison. Then they were going to jail. Now they're just getting a ticket. So, I mean, it, it was getting better, but they were resisting the idea of allowing it to become legal. So, so that failed. So we tried again in 1982. And that's how that's how we you know we found out that 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 strategy was working because a lot of people didn't want to bother signing the initiative because they said it doesn't really matter it's just an infraction you know <laughs> we're fine with the way it is you know yeah, we're yeah. we're happy that it's just an it's infraction than Cause, federal cause, you know most people, most people back then didn't smoke pot so it's like we're cool with that you know it's okay yeah, it's just okay. an infraction we like the idea nobody's going to jail anymore or prison <clears throat> but we don't need to go no further and so. 82, we had a hard time getting signatures. Tried again in 84, but it was just becoming like a, you know, repetitions, you know. And uh, we weren't getting nothing done. Like, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over. Expecting to get a different result. So, right. So, so it says like dating. <laughs> so, yeah, so I kind of, I kind of put myself on hold on, on the rest of them. But in the early 90s, Jack got together with some lawyer friends and they wrote California Cannabis Hemp and Health Initiative, CCHHI. Okay. And I I think they filed it. Mikey Jolson says they filed it. He says he worked on it. But I, I didn't hear nothing about it. Uh, Jack never told me nothing. <laughs> so he shows up. You know, I guess they tried it and didn't work. So he shows up like... 15, 16 years later, he shows up in 2007, mm -hmm. he's going to try it again. Okay. Yeah. And he shows up here and you know, he wanted me to, to be the Los Angeles coordinator, coordinate yeah. this area for him. So, of course, yeah, I'll do that, no problem. And uh, so I asked, well, who's the statewide coordinator? Who do, we, who do I answer to? Right. And he said, well, there's no statewide coordinator. I said, well, don't we need a statewide coordinator? You know, so he made me the statewide coordinator. So I was like, right. LA coordinator for five minutes, and then the statewide coordinator. And then my daughter became the LA coordinator. And uh, <clears throat> we had financing in place. Uh -huh. When he came over, he came over to this guy named Sam Clowder, who had people lined up to pay to get the signatures on the ballot. So, you know, being the coordinator was going to be a pretty easy job, you know. Because uh, we we had the money lined up, and then what happened was he heard that Sam Clowder was going to be um, handling the signature collecting, you know, the money, and you know that was just part of the deal, you know, like he was going to, you know, like do the signature collecting, you know, like pay for the collectors and everything with this money coming in from. I know, I think people like Willie Nelson and Snoop Dogg, stuff like that. Were, what, what year was that? This was in 2008. Was in, okay. Well, it was 2007. Okay. Yeah, going into 2008. He came here, it was October 31st of Halloween. That's when I started working with CCHI. Um, and so, 2007, early 2008, he got wind that uh, Jack was talking to a friend of Mikey Jolson's. Um, who was a signature, had a signature collecting uh, company. And he freaked out, you know, 
and said, well, are you talking to other signature collecting companies? Sam Clowder freaked out. And uh, he started calling up all these people that were going to give us the money. They don't give them the money. Um, Jack just spends your money anyways. And he just casting all this doubt on Jack's ability to get it on the ballot, blah, blah, blah. So we lost the funding. Okay. And that sucked. Right. So, so while we're trying to get more funding, I came up with the idea, well, let's, let's open up a MySpace page and uh, see if we can do this the old school way, you know, with volunteers. So we got a MySpace page, so it might be easier, you know, if we have a MySpace page and social media and blah, blah, but that didn't work out. And so the 2008 just never happened. We collected signatures, but... <laughs> Go dogs. <laughs> yeah, we, we collected signatures, but not nearly enough. Um, because it, it was like a last-minute, you know, idea. Let's just collect signatures. We'd already, we were already a couple of months, a few months into our signature collecting period, so we only had a couple of months left. So that never, that never uh, paid off. And then in 2010... As a grassroots signature collectors... Pretty much. Um, yeah, yeah, the, the old-fashioned way of volunteers. Yeah. In 2008? Yeah, that's yeah. for the 2008. So 2010, I figured we would do it again, and Jack didn't really want to do it again. Uh, but, uh, you know, I talked to him into filing it just in case somebody wants to come along and give us some money. But that, that didn't happen, and Jack passed away. Okay. It's all in a year. And then later on that year, the cannabis community came together with this, this uh, what do they call it, this next steps meeting. You know, what, what's the next steps in legalizing pot for the 2012 initiative? And so I was sitting there with Jack's initiative, but I really didn't know nobody because I didn't really hang out with that crowd, the marijuana activist crowd. So, you know, I went there with the initiative and said, look, you know, Jack's everybody's hero. He's your guys' hero. He just passed away. Everybody knows, you know, and I think, you know, this is the time we all get together. Yeah. And you guys should take his initiative mm -hmm. and make it real, you know, in his honor and for the people of California. And all I got was a bunch of excuses why I was asking too much too fast. You know, that was like, that was normal's position. You know, too much too fast and... And, and this is in drug 2012. Drug Policy right? had their little idea, and the Marijuana Policy Project had their little idea, and, and all these lawyers and other activists had their little ideas. And uh, so I couldn't get them to do Jack's initiative. And so I said, well, I'm not going to let it die. That, that was when there was still the hemp movement, right? Because there's a, a hemp movement, fat more textile and fabric. Yeah. Before even CBD was really even known about, like, hey, you eat right. hemp and it's good. You don't know why, but it's good. Yeah. Uh, but there, but there was a hemp movement. Well, that, that was, I mean, that, that was Jack's main main role was was uh, researching cannabis. You know, he he wrote the book in 1985, uh, or released in 1985. The emperor wears no clothes. Yeah. And that's that's the book that revealed all that history stuff <laughs> that I was telling you about that I was seeing as a little kid. Yeah, he went in, in, in detail and really uncovered everything. You know the whole workings behind. You know what I was seeing as a little kid. Yeah, you know he was actually you know documents and 
you know, evidence and pulling it all together and putting right. it in this book, amazing book. And yeah, and that included, you know. That definitely, and it kept growing. You yeah, kept that, improving that on it. That included, you know, all the information about the hemp plant, the cannabis hemp plant. And the cannabinoids kind of came a little later. Uh, they didn't discover the cannabinoid system until the early 90s. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, you know. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. the... But they didn't. And the CBD thing was like a loophole because the federal schedule one outlaws THC. Yeah. But uh, you know, um, CBD is not THC, so it could be classified as industrial hemp, which has to have less than 03 percent THC mm-hmm. uh, to be legal. And so, because CBD. They were able to grow the CBD plants and suppress the THC and get it down to below 0.3%. Yeah. They could uh, make it legal in all 50 states as industrial hemp. Hawaii just grew hemp and they had to throw out a whole bunch because it was over that percentage. Yeah, if it's over that percentage, yeah, you have to destroy <laughs> oh, the crop. So, like, oh, it's such fertile soil. Yeah, which is like, it's, that's insanity. That's a whole Subject, yeah, the point three percent thing. That's, so you got to use it as fertilizer. I don't, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm, I'm, I put all my money on it. That uh, that point three percent was Monsanto came up with that. Yeah, they can genetically alter hemp to make it point three percent. Naturally occurring hemp, point three percent. There's like less than a dozen naturally occurring cultivars. You have to import the stuff from like. The way northern regions of Russia and Finland and the way northern, you know, oh, wow. the northern climates, because THC is an ultraviolet, ultraviolet protected. Yeah. And up there in the high, in the high uh, latitudes, it doesn't, you don't get that much ultraviolet. So the pot doesn't need that much THC. Okay. So, so you're able to get these low um, THC Ooh. levels naturally occurring, but. In, in the United States, ditch weed is has about one to two percent. Hmm. You know, if you, you mean like in the in the Montana? Ditch yeah, weed? like in, yeah, Ohio okay. and the Midwest, they grows in the ditches naturally. Yeah, and the government spends a billion dollars a year eradicating it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and nobody smokes it, <laughs> but they have to eradicate it because it will send the wrong message. You have to the wrong grow. message, right? Right. <laughs> It, it just, you know, wore on everything. Yeah, and uh, see, yeah, that's another bad trip. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's really awesome. Uh, here, we're, you guys are listening to uh, on uh, Smoke uh, News Network, the uh, California Cannabis Hemp Initiative 2020 uh, founder right here, uh, Buddy Doozy, who has been carrying the torch from Jack Hare, uh, since he had passed away a few few days ago, just six days ago, apparently, and uh, helping keep the uh, marijuana focus to uh, legalize it. Tell us, tell us some things about this initiative, this uh, California Cannabis Hemp Initiative. What's uh, what's it going to do for people now that marijuana is supposedly already legal? Yeah, what it's going to do is. Uh... First thing it's going to do primarily is going to roll back cannabis to pre-64. But then it's going to take it one step further. And instead of regulating it like heroin, which they're doing right now, 
they're going to regulate it like beer and wine, which is obviously a lot more lax. So all the licensing schemes and, and <clears throat> excuse me, all that other stuff would would be along the lines of beer and wine. So like you can get a three day festival license, you know. Okay. Or a farmer's market license or, you know, anything you can do with a beer. Any license you get with beer, you can get with cannabis. Yeah. And it caps the price of those licenses at no more than $1,000. Okay. So okay. It, it opens up just about to any, everybody who wants to be a cannabis entrepreneur can go ahead and, you know, pursue their a career, you know, without having all this, you know, quarter of a million dollars that it takes to uh, be a cannabis entrepreneur in today's post-64 world. Right, with uh, all the different permits, different (coughs) equipment, different zoning. Yeah, it rolls back. uh, It it regulates it like beer. It it punishes it like beer. Uh, So, like, your your punishment for selling without a license will be the same as your punishment for selling beer without a license. Okay. And so basically, it just kind of puts a little sanity into the whole legalization scheme. It totally decriminalizes the cannabis hemp plant. So that 0.3% thing's out the window. You know, it's like you can grow cannabis using the same rules that you would do to grow acres of corn or acres of wheat or acres of tomatoes or acres of whatever, any other farm product. You know, the same regulation. Broccoli! Yeah, you know, you have to, you know, you have to have the cleanliness and all that stuff, you know, but, uh, and it it regulates the product, um, it, it allows the Herbal Products, um, Association guidelines to take effect, because the Herbal Products, uh, industry has their own self-governing, uh, uh, regulatory, uh, bureau or whatever you call it. And, you know, they set the purity rules and things like that. So the government's not even involved. And we kind of, CCHI just taps into that same that same thing. They, they already have um, written up regulations for cannabis, you know, voluntary, of course. Um, and then the 64 has their mandatory. But it would be mandatory because it's regulated like beer and wine, and beer and wine is tested for quality and yeah. purity and cleanliness, so. It would become mandatory, but it it would it would be like selling pot would be like selling any other herb like ginseng or something. Okay, so what you're saying is all these additional taxing would be disappear. No city is not allowed to tax. The state gets a ten percent excise tax on the retail price of the product. So that would be charged at the cash register. So it would be the sales tax plus 10%. Plus 10%. Yeah. Okay. And that's for recreational cannabis. Medicinal cannabis goes back to the way it was um, with 215. It totally restores 215. It expands on it. It allows a broader definition of who a caretaker is. Does, so, it, does it help SB 420 at all? Well, what it does, or? what it does is it kind of rolls back a lot of SB 420. Um, it allows the dispensaries to be caregivers. Okay. See, because Prop 215 is still a law. Yeah. You know, I said Prop 64 overwrote a lot of the parts of 215. Yeah, that weren't there. Like the physician protection and stuff like that. Hmm. You know, the physician 
getting all kinds of trouble now for writing too many notes. Uh, and so it kind of rolls rolls back the whole 215 thing. It uh, mandates that there'll be no tax on medicinal cannabis. And so basically you're not paying, you're only paying for the price of the cannabis, like if you were to go and buy a bag of ginseng or peppermint or whatever your herb is. Uh, yeah, just whatever the whatever the uh, seller is selling it for, that's what you pay. Uh, that's what it does for the consumer. For the farmer, it allows them an amazing cash crop that uh, that, that they have access to the, the industrial hemp market, which makes everything from hempcrete, clothing, paper. You know, replace it can replace trees for paper. It produces a lot more um, um, feedstock than uh, growing it from trees. Definitely the choir for uh, <laughs> for those aspects of uh, of hemp. Um, in regards to the uh, production of um, helping Californians, Californians uh -huh. being the utmost important. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let, let me the, go on. Let me go on. Um, in that, that industrial hemp market where and not only does it allow the farmers to grow for these things 50% of the excise tax revenue goes towards developing and promoting the industries that the farmers will sell their feedstock to so you you know you'll grow it and this guy's gonna have a paper mill you know and you're gonna okay. sell it to the paper mill and he's got he's got a grant or something from the government or a business loan or whatever to build his paper mill, you know, using okay. cannabis excise money. Okay. Yeah, so it's going to, you know, it's going to share that revenue with uh So that 10% that, that the medical. government collects does not just go to the canacops? Does no, it go right no to the... No, the canacop. It's the alcohol beverage control. <laughs> That's it. You know, and, and, yeah, the go away. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, just they, like, uh, you I mean, have seven plants. I mean, they don't really go away. ABC would be the canacop. Right, you know, but yeah, that uh, yeah. Uh, I've got the the Bruce Margolin guide for you that uh, it talks about a lot of the laws that sixty four helped and didn't help with. That uh, mm -hmm. I mean, it's 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 detailed, <laughs> but it's good to know that uh, we have some people on our team helping out bring what's happening with marijuana yeah. on full on the front end, Quite the back few, end, yeah. the the behind the scenes end. The underground, because this is a very underground show. It hasn't even been advertised yet. People have to go backwards in time, literally, to listen to the electricity that we're creating right now to save in a digital file to be listened to later. This new recording device I later press onto a spinning plastic disc mm -hmm. <laughs> and ship it across seas far, far away. And it's an archival in case of... Uh, the world legalizes marijuana, and they Cannabis. go, Cannabis. wow. Marijuana is, I don't like using the word marijuana, is because uh, having read Jack's book and knowing where that word originated from, it originated as a derogatory slang word uh, that the Mexicans are bringing up this evil drug called marijuana that nobody's ever heard of, and that, that's how they were able in the 30s to sell the the um, federal legislators on the idea of making the cannabis implant illegal. Mm -hmm. They called it marijuana 
and nobody knew what marijuana was. And then they told them what it was, you know, this evil drug for madness, you know, and all that other stuff, you know, they created those, those bullshit, you know, movies and trailers and, you know, William Randolph Hearst, who owned newspapers all across the, the country, he was the main force behind it. And so he was able to splash all these scary headlines on, on his newspapers, you know, about the evil new drug called marijuana. And, you know, so the whole country was in a panic about this crazy new drug, marijuana, causing people to commit suicide, jump out of ah. windows and blah, blah, blah. You know, and the women were like taking their clothes off and, you know, and running around, you know, being slut whores or whatever. And well, it's just releasing oppression. Yeah. The, the Egyptians uh, had a phrase for that. I'm trying to, of course, can't grab it. I was in the, this book today just doing a lot of research for this uh, Smoke News Network, helping with the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative at uh, all levels that uh, that's out there helping uh, in heart, not hardened. I don't know. Anything you add women to and like some someone has a chance to get offense. I just say, women are really fun, and they are very like mysterious. The, the other half of the universe, and you hold your half together, I'll hold my half together, and we can hang out and like make good things happen in the world. It's like I know I can't know everything because marijuana affects women differently. Cannabis, cannabis. Marijuana is a racist, derogatory term. You should you should give people a shot collar every time they say. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Wash your mouth out. <laughs> Every time they say, hey, 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 hey. It's a racist, derogatory term. It should not be used. Okay. And that's what I told them when I filed the initiative for 2020. I told them, do not call it a marijuana initiative. Number one, you've already said you've legalized it. So since, since your marijuana is already legal, I want you to legalize my cannabis hemp. So hopefully they they because they've been, I've been telling them every time, but they've been. That's two parts. They, they title it every year. They title it marijuana legalization. I, every year I ask them not to. Every year they do, but this year I think they will title it cannabis hemp. Dupont gave the name during the campaigns, right? Helped funded all those. Uh, yeah, William Randolph Hearst and Dupont. Yeah, well, William Randolph Hearst just sank his entire fortune into. The West Coast forests, you know, for his for paper for his newspaper company, he invested his entire fortune, and as soon as he was done investing his entire fortune in wood for paper, they invented the machine that was going to take all the intensive yeah. labor out of uh, thrashing the cannabis, getting it ready for to be turned into paper. It used to be done by slaves, so it was economical when you have free labor, but it became not economical. Too much work These, when you uh, had to pay people. But then the stretching machine came along, and it was going to be economical. There's so many slaves on the planet that are in such economically disparate places. We're all slaves when we're strapped to this dollar that keeps us within these boxes, within these certain little hallways of experience. But we can't find a way to get ourselves out of these hallways well, of limitation. Well, that's not necessarily true. Because another thing that this initiative does, yeah, it, the, the, on a broader spectrum, if things like that concern you, is um, we challenge and repudiate the federal government's right to even impose restrictions on the cannabis hemp plant because that's not a constitutional mandated role for the federal government. And so right. we, 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 we can win that. If we put an initiative on the ballot, we can win that, that um, case. 
And doing that, it would invalidate the treaties that they signed. And then it, by developing all these industries wrapped around a plant that can be grown anywhere in the world, you empower these third world countries yeah. to be self-sufficient. You know, they don't have to go to Shell Oil or something like that to get their fuel. They can make it out of a cannabis hemp plant with a, with a cellulosic ethanol plant. Yeah. Uh, the plants that you, know, yeah. you can take any plant, turn it into gas. You know, you've seen the commercials. Sad. Uh, marijuana you know, is like so the best for that. open and versatile. You know Hi, little Steph. Do, do, Let me call do, you do, back. Do, I'm in do, there, doing do, an interview do, right now, okay? Yeah, so it 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 develops all these industries here in California, so it'll emanate from California, we'll all get rich. but it that coupled with the federal government or the Supreme Court overturning the federal government's right to do that would invalidate the treaties that keep all these third world countries from not being able to grow hemp that has more than 0.3%, which makes it not economical to grow. Because 0.3% THC down by the equator, uh-huh. you're going to grow a three-foot plant. Right. You know, if you have 2% THC, you're going to grow a 20-foot plant. Obviously, right. you're going to get 10 times as much yield per acre. Uh, so it does that for third world countries. So that that's you bring that up with understanding how the Jack Hare initiative can be taken beyond California to oh, other oh, states yeah, and yeah. other Cal- countries. California will set will set not only set the example for the other fifty states, we will also set the wheels in motion because California grows such good pot, you know, once the federal government's out of the way and the interstate commerce issue isn't there. Everybody's going to want to buy their pot from California, you know, California growers. So Ooh. we will get a lot of tax money coming in, selling it to the other 50 states and eventually selling it abroad and all that. The world is ablaze with herb. I've been doing the Smoke News radio show. Uh-huh. And there's places where you don't take herb, like Russia and Bali. And then there's other places where they're just legalizing left and right, mm-hmm. finding the CBD benefits in the hemp plant. And turn in medical marijuana and figuring out ways yeah, but to those, create. Yeah, those CBD benefits are are just a little part of the story. The TAC oh, right, right. They are definitely the, the CBD benefits. It's just CBD is just a little fluke that allows yeah. them to grow it as industrial hemp because it's not THC. But the cannabinoids, they're the eighty-something cannabinoids in the cannabis hemp plant, all work together. Yeah, and very various ratio combinations have different effects on different diseases. Yeah. So you could wow. actually design using cannabinoid ratios pot grow pot specifically for a disease or for an ailment like a headache or something. Or you want to sleep or you want to stay awake. You know, it doesn't matter what. Here, here's something to blow you away real quick. The well, belly button. You put a little dab of something really uh, healthy and your body will absorb. The belly button will is connected to every organ in the body. So it would have a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So you just. But well, then you got you got to wash it out later because it doesn't wash out so yeah. easy. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You just kind of stuff it in there. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, great idea. Never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just those little things That's pick up along easy. the way. Yeah. 
um, uh, cannabis is so healthy for everybody that um, we haven't even scratched the surface yet. Fifty percent right. also goes to researching the benefits of medicinal cannabis. So we'll give research grants to colleges and and uh, you know medical institutions, you know, like Cancer Society and stuff like that, to let them test these different strains, these different variations, and you know. And so, you know, create this huge database of cannabis yeah. strains, you know, based on their combinations. And even like content, they've shown that mass amounts of purified, not like butane rich, you know, horribly made stuff thrown through the lungs, but properly maybe even injected into the blood or whatever. You can fill the body with all this THC and it will be stoked. You add right, THC right. and the CBD together, and the body is the happiest right. in the world. Yeah, your cannabinoid it's, system stores THC. That's why oh it's, your gosh. body's wrong. It stores it like a vitamin. Yeah. It considers and THC. You can't have one without the other in truth. Like, yeah. I would go to some of these it has, clubs. It has its own system. Uh-huh. You find a good a THC strain and the good CBD strain, like Harlequin. Well, then they're, you, they're, they're, you they're put uh, them together they're, uh, in the they, same they joint. They each other. They, they call CBD a THC antagonist because if you have 50-50 THC and, and, C, and CBD in a joint yeah you have pot that won't get you high oh, CBD suppresses the THC and it, you know and that, that not suppress, doesn't suppress its medicinal values yeah but it suppresses its uh, euphoric values yeah well so, I'm also so I'm a why. cancer survivor and I have difficulty with my jaw and my my neck and all that fun stuff. So herb helps me as its form of painkiller that has me not on an opioid crisis yeah. and get, helps me just yeah, manage yeah, stuff a lot. the cannabis in combination are are proven great painkiller. Yeah, I make my own spray. I spray it on everything. No, that's how that's helped my jaw and the back of my neck too a whole bunch. Instantly takes like sore back pain and stuff. Instantly takes it away. Yeah. You know, or or you hurt yourself, you just spray it. Nice. Keep spraying it until the pain goes away. Yeah. You start out every five minutes spraying it, and every fifteen minutes, and every thirty minutes, and twice a day. Well, okay. So here's the other thing. You obviously have been a space cadet also for a long time, in outer space. You're alone on missions, away from everybody, you know. If we didn't have a chance to smoke herb, I think I'd go a little nutty, you know. Imagine, i just thinking, you know, I'm in outer space. I'm getting fuel out on Titan where there's all this fuel in the planet, all this uh, ethanol fuel, you know, and there's radiation <laughs> no, everywhere. I'll, I'll worry about that later. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, well, they're saying, like, the, the president doesn't want there to be American space babies. Because uh, Americans can't have children. I don't mean to go political, but uh, children in the outside of the United States or something. Um, some BS thing. But anyhow, space babies, when we're out there, like getting herb legalized, that I bet you it actually helps during the transition. Like if we figure out a way to go faster, if they took a slingshot and shot us like straight up, you'd think we'd like, but if they put, if we smoked a whole bunch of herb or had a whole bunch of THC in our blood, that would really help us, and it'd be natural. It wouldn't be some weird, otherworldly chemical 
that uh, could help our body. And, I'm, and, you know, of course, we take some monkeys, strap them, film with THC, and shoot them to the moon. Okay? No, I got, I got this soda here. Okay, great. But, uh, but yeah, just, you know, on the, um, on the space cadet of what, where marijuana can be going is that worldwide, talk, it talk is... Talk to the viewers. Tell them yeah, about the it is, is widely illegal. And so here in California, what we're doing, bringing together a way to get to the future, to get to outer space. Like we can't get to where we need to be if we're just sitting there with our feet in the ground, on the ground, stuck in cement shoes at the bottom of a lake. We can't get to what we need to get done. We need to find ways to elevate our thought. We're not here in the present we're going to the future every single moment. Do you write a letter to yourself? You're writing to the future. Write to the future and find a way to pull together the people that you care about in the world, the people that have positive stories about marijuana and document, document each other. Find a way to talk to grandma, say, hey grandma, you know those brownies you made? Hey, tell me about that. Let me just record you for an hour. Let me just go out there and just throw some fun things out there and be silly and 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 be uh be yourself uh among uh, another generation of people because we're all going around this sun device and it's spinning fast and we don't get a lot of time here and there's a lot of people that have been through this experience of marijuana persecution this prohibition that have had to had Find ways to survive it, to be able to get through to ways that there can actually be written laws that will come down and be put into action that are not something the corporation threw down, the corporation threw down all this money for this thing to be written in action. Um, real laws <laughs> are what... Uh, that we are looking for in the world and helping out more than just California. And of course, this podcast has its roots in California, marijuana legalization origins, pioneering from everyone, from people in every country that they wish they didn't leave their marijuana in their bag, but they had a stopover in Russia. So for six hours, the Russians went through their bag and they found their medical pot from India that they didn't have. So it's uh, <clears throat> it's an interesting world out there, finding out a way to bring the legalization light from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next, to plant the seeds and the growth, to find out how did we get to where we are now? Who was doing what back in the day, doing this and that? Like, I wanna say, oh, back in the day last year, what? If someone said to you, uh, uh, buddy, uh, back in the day, what, what does that mean to you? Like, what, what, where does that take you back to? Back in the day? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, right now, I guess it would take me back to the 70s because we're in tour. That's the subject we're on. So back in the day, can be, I'm 64 years old. <laughs> it can be a lot of days. Oh, yeah, I feel that. Anything longer than five years ago. Right? Yeah. As as our world spins, we get filled with experiences. 
Yeah, so uh, getting back to pot, uh, yeah, I, I guess most of the listeners here probably smoke pot or use it. Um, but CCJ has a great benefit to Californians who don't smoke pot. <clears throat> don't use it because the other 50% are the most of the general fund. As opposed to Prop 64, where no money goes to the general fund, it all goes to the Bureau of Marijuana Control, whatever they call it. Uh, it all goes to the cops. Hmm. The pot cops. Can't a cop, can't a cop, what you yeah, gonna eat? Yeah. Yeah, Shooting the, the dogs, and you want some more meat. Right. Every, every uh, you know, the food and agriculture, they get their own can of cops. Fish and wildlife, they get their own can of cops. Everybody gets their own can of cops. Prop 64. It provides them all with money. The police get can of cops for DUIs. Everybody gets it's just crazy. People don't want to give up when they have money. They they like the they like the nipple. No one wants to wean off of a tax, even though it's unrightful. There's a group I heard of these pioneers that decided not to pay this old lady and this old man some taxes and created a country called America. Not paid your taxes. Yeah, we don't want to pay your taxes. Yeah, the oppressive taxes. Yeah, so. That's what California's going to do. We don't want to pay your taxes. That, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, that that's what it comes... I mean, that's the sales point is... Because that's, that's the whole thing is how is, how is it going to be able to be sold to the people? Marijuana is legal except you cannabis. go there. Cannabis is legal except you go, to the, you go to the cannabis dispensaries that aren't cooperatives anymore, aren't collectives. Yeah, and yeah. And you're paying, cares. like, prices back from the 90s. That was done, that was done intentionally. Because because Prop 215, you know, all these dispensaries, like the, the quality ones, were documenting, you know, they, they would, you know, have their patients, their regular customers, and they would document their ailments and what strains works for what, and they'd share that information with each other. They're creating these databases of strain, you know, they're basically doing what, what I'm talking about, this strain for every, for every ailment, you know, and uh, you know, the pharmaceutical company is freaking out because. You know, if if now if you have a strain of pot that does what their thousand dollar a pill drug was doing, and they're losing that thousand dollar a pill revenue, they're freaking the fuck out. They've been losing billions of dollars mm-hmm. since Prop Two Fifteen, and it's freaking them out. And so they were behind Prop Sixty Four. That's where the real money came from. And uh, so that gets squashed, you know, because we're not only bringing back the dispensaries and allowing them to carry on with what they were doing. We're doing it on steroids because we're seeding the research with grant money. You know, you know uh, from the excise tax. And I, let me make a point about the excise oh, tax. Yeah, please. Uh, I just recently heard that the revenues from Prop 64 are way lower than they expected. Right, and, but you know what they're at, right? Yeah, and yeah, so they got two hundred eighty million dollars. But yeah, that 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 is way lower. It should be in the billions. You know, compared I mean, <clears> the way we. The way we but the, the black market is where most of the sales are still going on. Do you know how much it costs to put 64 in? Like 10 million. Right. And, and I, could, I could have done it for two. For, I mean, not 64. I, mean, but, I could have done CCA. I, 64 sucked. That's why it cost 10 million. 
because well, did, people that, didn't want to sign it. You know, it was a signature gatherers having the yeah, paid signature gatherers. Yeah, yeah, they had to keep paying them more money. They were paying them ten bucks a signature at the very end. So, so what do you think? I know this is uh, open subject with what's happening with the new CCHI twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. What is um, uh, like? I don't know. It's a, how do we how do we find out how to get rain for funding for signature gatherers directly? That's uh, yeah, yeah. That's what we need to do. We need to get the funding. Uh, yeah, I don't know a lot of millionaires or billionaires, and I sure as I don't get the money. So I'm thinking, what I can do, just being me, is you know something like a GoFundMe or something like that drive, you know, to collect two million dollars. Yeah, that works out. Right. And just, you know, people who do know millionaires and billionaires step up and... Oh, like at these uh, trade about, shows. About. I mean, it's also brain brainstorm session. At these trade shows, set up a CCHI 2020 banner with the GoFundMe information. Wasn't that on the previous ones? Or did it have the... Well, we've never for... done a GoFundMe before. Okay. Or so, um, some way for people to easily throw money at it because people can throw their vote yeah yeah there's that there's like you could do that, that i mean check. the vote is worth more like really it's going to come down to some wealthy investors that are just like down to let californians live free let people choose not to spend all their money on marijuana parents want their kids spending all their lunch money just on pot i thought they were going to go eat why are they so skinny they say they're hungry all the time. Oh, what's they use that money for? I just spend seventy dollars on an eighth of right. marijuana. Oh no, you're smoking marijuana is bad, but it's not. It's sold at the stores, and children are going to get their hands on it. They're going to steal it from people that paid the seventy dollars for it, because it's a very huge fine to take that. Um, but because it's not available. People aren't going to have their money to do the regular biological things they need to do, like eat. Like, come all on. I know is that the black market is where most of the pot is being sold. That's all I know. Yeah. And with CCHI, the black market becomes irrelevant. With the California black market. Yeah, California black market. Because there's such a low entry point to being a dealer or grower or whatever you want to be, you know, that anybody can do it. Who likes doing it? Well, it's, it's <laughs> and actually legally, and to do it illegally, you can have two hundred pounds, and it's a two hundred dollar fine. You have all this marijuana on you, and in theory, sixty four is fine scheme. I'll give you that Margolin guide thing. It's a wobbler. They can they, uh, right, they right, yeah, <laughs> right, right. It's a wobbler means it it's a law. It's a wobbler, yeah, right? You know what right. A wobbler, wobbler is like the seatbelt law that. Oh, don't worry about it. It's only gonna be $20 if they pull you over. Yeah, and then they started wobbling, you know. Yeah. And now it's like 200 bucks. Wow. Yeah, yeah. so I don't trust Administrative it. fees. I don't trust wobbler law. And just being you know, caught in the system. Wobbler law is just like a sucker play. We're gonna start you out. Which is incriminating a human. And then is we're annoying. gonna come down hard and we're gonna collect big bucks off you. And if people feel safe around each other, they don't feel like other people need to steal around them the economy improves then you know things are chill we don't it's there's this like balance everyone's looking for is the do they have their neighbor their doors unlocked or locked in their house in in their neighborhood you know are the keys mm-hmm. sitting in their car 
you know, even though that's really not a good place to put it with today's cars, you know, with their auto locking and whatever oh, have you. But, but just the, the welcomeness of the people around you that if they need to use your resources, you're like, hey, you know, it's, it's okay to use it. You'll, you'll, you'll use it properly and bring it back and fill the tank back up or whatever, you know. Um, put, the, uh, put the fuel back in that you used for whatever device and have this faith in each other that we're, uh, you know, we're good people. And it's, you know, media, well, media just erodes the fact that in person, people, that's genuine. Over a device, it's not as genuine. Yeah, well, I think cannabis could create a brave new world like that. You know, I mean, it can, it can create a scenario where, the, you know, it's like it's a perfect fit to the Green New Deal. I don't know if you're familiar with the Green New Deal. That's uh, Some of the things do kind of make me not feel too well. <laughs> yeah, that's I know, that but, but, proposal, but, but, it's, but, but what, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. It's, it just so happens that cannabis, hemp, is a perfect fit for the Green New Deal because everything, okay. you know, it's, it's a, Green New Deal is like this impossible wish list, you know, of things that we want to do that unless it's going to cost trillions of blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> you know, we're going to eliminate fossil fuel, you know, entirely by 2030, you know, which is like 10 years. Um, it can be done with cannabis hemp, growing worldwide. You grow a billion acres of hemp worldwide. Turn it into cellulosic ethanol, and you've replaced fossil fuel. Hmm. That's a lot of acres. Well, the, a billion acres is a lot of acres, but <clears throat> there's a way to do it. And, I really like fossil. I really like and, fossil and, fuel. And, and only that, <laughs> a billion, a billion acres is extracting thirty over thirty-six billion tons of carbon dioxide. With every with every harvest, yeah, thirty six billion tons coming out of the air. So, but of course, it's carbon neutral because you're burning it. To fossil well, well fuel. cars will have the re. You're burning air it in your car, so you're sending it back up. It's carbon dioxide. Yeah. But the point is, is that nothing is coming out of the ground, sequestered in the ground, and going up there. It, cannabis. Oh, hey, it. check it out. Let's just close this up in just a minute. Uh, do you want to uh, throw, throw it down for that? I mean, uh, I really want to talk more about the nature topic with you too. That'd be super, super awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that that's another angle is uh, it empowers the third world countries and all this, it, that you know, like the uh, people who are disadvantaged, you know, and you know, Ocasio Cortez wrote it and she filled it up with a lot of stuff like that. But it's all doable. You know, you can you can create an ethanol industry anywhere where you can grow some acres of hemp. You know, you, you you just need water, right? All you need, right. and water's available. I even have a plan for that. I think since we're replacing fossil fuel, we're making all the oil pipelines, you know, useless. But if we took the pumps, they're up in the oil fields and put them in the ocean, and took the storage tanks that are in the ocean and put them up there in the fields, we can reverse it. Drop a desalinization plant right there, and boom, you got Word. all the water you need in such, the middle such of the Sahara de- Desert. Such <laughs> detailed, awesome designs in the very last minute of the uh, of the episode here of uh, marijuana activists and pioneers with Buddy Doozy 
and uh, your host, Jason Brodsky. I want to thank you guys for listening very much. Th- thank you, buddy, for your commentaries. My pleasure. Thank you. Yes, uh, so much this man has to say. We'll be having him more uh, speak to us in the universe. Thank you for listening very much on the CCHI 2016 Smoke News Alice B. Toklas Network. Cheers.